Our Father, we thank you that we know that we can cry out to you and that you've called us to cry out to you. Lord, be with us now as we meditate on your word. For anyone here who has never called out to you, Lord, let them cry out to you today. We ask in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. If you are like me, you can get a little bit mesmerized by our psalms. We're trying to follow along, and, and honestly, if, if it were up to me, we would have recliners in here, and I think sometimes we should do this and just have the choir and Billy play through all the Psalter for us, and we could all just sit back in our recliners and be mesmerized by these beautiful psalms, the way they put that. seems like Donna agrees with me. <laughs> so, Father Chase, put that on the agenda, right? <laughs> But, but sometimes, and I and did this at 8 o'clock, I want to really pay attention to those words because they're important, but I just get myself drawn in and then snap back out at, at, at the refrain. So today it's a very short psalm, and it's a very beautiful psalm. I, I learned in my preparation for this message today that this psalm is, all the psalms are beautiful, all the psalms are good, but some of them have really stood out to people and really spoken to people's hearts through history in, a, in special ways. And this is one of them. And it's a short psalm, and since we can get distracted by the beautiful music sometimes, I want to read it one more time for you. I want, and, and by the way, this is, every word was printed in your bulletin. It's also the exact translation of the Coverdale that's in the BCP. So it's, it's word for word. It's a beautiful psalm with a beautiful translation. So here it is. Out of the deep have I called unto you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Oh, let your ears consider well the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, were to mark what is done amiss, O oh Lord, who could abide it? For there is mercy with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him. In his word is my trust, my soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen. For the morning. O Israel, trust in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. This is the word of the Lord. So, like I said, I, I was really surprised how, I don't know why I had not, I mean, I know I've heard people preach this psalm. I know that I've certainly read it many times, but this is one of those things with Scripture where if you've been, been walking with the Lord for a while and you've been reading your Scripture for a while, it just happens all the time, where you come and meditate on a passage or just see it with fresh eyes for the first time. And I pray that the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, would move hearts here today, uh, that some of you would see this psalm with fresh eyes and a fresh heart today. Luther loved this psalm, Martin Luther. And this is what he says in his opening to his commentary on Psalm 130. These are noble, passionate, and very profound words of a truly penitent heart that is most deeply moved in its distress. In fact, this cannot be understood except by those who have felt and experienced it. We are all in deep and great misery, but we do not all Feel our condition. Now, of course, of course, Luther is principally speaking about our condition in the fallen world before we know who our Redeemer is. 
That is the deepest and darkest that before we know who this redeeming God is. But even in this life, we still face times of darkness and struggle. We feel like where this psalm starts off, we are crying out from the deep. And the psalmist shows us exactly what to do, why we should do it. Here in these short verses, over and over, he tells us to call out, to cry out. It's what he does. He models it for us. In any distress, sickness, darkness, despair, but especially in sin, call out to the Father. Call out to him. So the psalmist models this for us. He calls out to him. And why should we call out to him? What should we, how should we do that? We should, he says we should believe that forgiveness is really with him. Verses 3 and 4, If you, Lord, were to mark what is done amiss, O Lord, who could abide it? For there is mercy with you. Therefore you shall be feared. We cry out to our God because he is the one with whom there is mercy. He is the one who we need that mercy, that forgiveness from. Again, Luther says, What good would it do if all creatures were gracious to me and disregarded and forgave my sins? But God marked and retained them. And again, what does it matter if all creatures heap sins upon me and hold them against me as long as God forgives and pays no attention to them? The psalmist shows us and tells us to cry out, to this God with whom there is forgiveness. We have to know and believe that he is the one with whom there is forgiveness and the one whom we need forgiveness from. And when we know that and we cry out to him, we wait for him. The psalmist didn't make that clear. He sure tried. Over and over he says, wait for him, wait for him. In verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. In his word is my trust. Many translations you'll see say in his word is I wait for his word. And my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning, more than anything else you could possibly wait for. I wait for the Lord. So here we have it. What is not just here in this psalm, but we see it through many of the psalms. And throughout scripture, we are taught these, these three things. We, we know if we've been walking with the Lord for a while, you, none of this surprises you. You know that he is the one that we are to cry out to in our despair in our need. And you know that, I mean, most of you I assume in this room and, and hope have come to believe that he is the one with whom there is forgiveness, mercy, compassion, the one who loves you. And I know that many of you have been waiting on him for many things. In hard times, simple things, big things. So you know this. This is familiar. Charles Spurgeon says, Charles Spurgeon was a great, great preacher. He says, the Lord's people have always been a waiting people. They waited for the first advent, and now they, we, wait for the second advent. So we know these things. They're not a surprise to us, hopefully. We cry out. We believe in the one with whom there is forgiveness. We wait for him. But... Every single one of us struggles knowing this. We still struggle with all three of those things. All the time. With the first one of crying out. Sometimes, every single one of us does this. We are just foolish, stubborn, 
maybe exhausted, and we know we should cry out, and instead we just turn the light off and go to bed. Or we just don't do it. And the Spirit is talking to us and telling us, cry out, cry out to him, and we just don't do it for whatever reason. It reminds me of that passage we read from Jeremiah today, where the prophet, speaking in the voice of the Lord, says, I thought how I would set you among my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful heritage of all the nations, and I thought you would call me. I thought you would call me my father and would not turn from following me. We know he's the one to cry out to, yet sometimes we just don't. Another thing that where we, where we fell in these three things is sometimes we are afraid that God really isn't the one with whom there is forgiveness. Sometimes we're afraid he's not really good. Sometimes we are listening to the voice of the enemy, the accuser of God and the accuser of man. We hear that passage from Jeremiah where the Lord says, says with your, if you do not circumcise your hearts, if you do, don't repent and change and come back to me, if you don't call out to me, then, and you continue in this evil, these evil deeds, then my wrath will flare up like unquenchable fire. Because the Lord's wrath does flare up like unquenchable fire against evil. But we can focus on that. The enemy will have us focus on that and forget the one who says, I thought you would call me my father. Look how much I love you. Turn back. My favorite modern commentary on the Psalms is by John Goldengay. It's the Baker Old Testament commentary. Uh, it's great. It's a little bit pricey and a little bit uh, uh, technical, but I recommend adding it to your bookshelf. And in there, he cites a statistic from 2018, a Baylor University statistic. And they found that this survey they did said, of American attitudes toward God, it revealed that nearly half of the Christians, half of the Christians surveyed, characterized God as centrally judgmental and critical. If this were so, the psalm comments, none of us would survive. That's verse 3. If you, Lord, were to mark, to hold, to look at, to keep guard over our, what we've done amiss, our sins, our iniquities, oh, Lord, who could abide it? Who could stand? No one. But the point is, the psalmist saying, that's not what he does. He's the one with whom there is forgiveness when you cry out to him. And yet we just sometimes forget. We sometimes just don't cry out even when we know we should. We sometimes have doubts and, and uh, listen to the voice of the enemy that God is not the one with whom there is forgiveness and who loves us so much. And then the waiting. This one is the easiest one of all. We all know that most of us, no matter how long it seems like, no matter how long we walk with the Lord, we are just not great with patience and not great with waiting. And we want to be. Everybody wants to be. You know, every parent teaches their little kids to be patient and to wait. But in that, we look at our own hearts and we're, we struggle with it ourselves. 
We struggle with waiting and hoping both in little things and big things. Even this week, as I'm meditating on and thinking and about waiting on the Lord and hearing this beautiful psalm, and it's the Lord is working on my heart with this psalm, I find myself with in, in something that is just so hard for me, driving down the road, and this is the worst thing when this happens, the light is getting ready to turn red, and you're in the right lane, and you're going to get to turn right, except for that one person gets, whoop, scoots over right in front of you, and they're going straight. They are not going to turn right on red, and you have to wait for both of the turn green lights and both the long lights. It's a long light, and you're running late. <sighs> but then, you know, I find myself sitting there, and I'm not in a hurry. I've heard that some that there are at least one person in this church that uses uh, the red lights to pray. I actually tried that a couple times this week, and it's not a bad idea. It's, 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 what else do you have to do other than sit there and be mad and wait for that car to get out of your way? So little things like that, so many little things, we struggle with patience and with waiting, but also with big things for healing for ourselves or for others, addictions, depression, sorrow, the end of wars, that longing for that second advent when all wars, when all waiting, when all sorrow ends, when joy is complete. I certainly get tired of waiting for that, and I know you do too. We are just not always good at waiting. But yet most of you in this room, I know you do cry out to the Lord, and you do know that he is the one with whom there is forgiveness, and you do wait for him. And you are waiting for him. There's one other aspect of this psalm that's so important because even though we know that the Holy Spirit is working on our life in these areas, it still could tempt us to despair if we thought all of that was on us for us to perfectly cry out every time, to perfectly believe always that he is the one with whom there is forgiveness, to perfectly always be waiting for him. There's one other aspect that we need. And that is this idea that the psalmist says he knows all these things, he does all these things, but also he tells us that he trusts in the plenteous redemption that is with God. O Israel, turn, O Israel, trust in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, there is forgiveness, and with him is plenteous redemption. The psalmist knew that that is where his trust ultimately had to be, that that was his ultimate hope, not in himself, not in his own ability to follow all these things, but in the plenteous redemption of God. And the psalmist only knew it in part. You and I who have known the goodness and grace and redemption of Jesus Christ, we know it much fuller than the psalmist. We understand how we are redeemed and by whom we are redeemed. Israel waited and the Lord did indeed redeem Israel and all nations through Jesus. And that is why Paul says to the Corinthians, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And the one who bought you, Jesus Christ, who redeemed you, he will never let you go. There is plenteous redemption in our Lord. Tim Keller has a small little devotional on the Psalms that you go through in a year. I know probably quite a few of you in here have that little devotional. At, for his prayer, at the end of this Psalm 130, 
There are three things that he prays to the Lord and, and invites us to pray to the Lord about this psalm. First, he invites us to thank him for the joy of our forgiveness. This psalm starts in the depths, but quickly takes us right to this joy, knowing that we have this God of plenteous redemption to cry out to, whom, with whom there is forgiveness, who is worth waiting on more than anything else in the world. We thank him for the joy of this forgiveness. And then he prays to God to help us to remember because we are forgetful people, but the Lord is faithful. He will help us remember. That's exactly what he's doing right now if you're hearing these words. And I pray that the Spirit continues to remind you of these words all the days of your life, myself as well. Remember our forgiveness. And be quick, he prays to God to help us to be quick to enjoy our Lord. Life and others. Knowing this, knowing that we have this plenteous redemption changes everything. And this is why, again, I say, if you have not yet cried out to the Lord ever, it will change your life. You will have joy even in the dark times of despair. It is an unsurpassing joy. And so we pray again, Lord, help us to enjoy you. Help us to enjoy this life and others. And so I want to finish with this short little prayer that Tim Keller offers. Lord, we thank you for the joy of our forgiveness. Help us to remember our forgiveness so that we may have light hearts that are quick to enjoy you, life, and others. Amen.